Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Coach's Oats. Go get your day started with a nice, good, warm, refreshing bowl of Coach's Oats. Use the code COACHES25, that is C-O-A-C-H-S 25, to get 25% off your first order on amazon.com slash Coach's Oats. Again, that is Coach's 25 C-O-A-C-H-S 25 to get 25% off your first bag of Coach's Oats on amazon.com slash Coach's Oats. Again, I don't know what to say. It's way better. I eat it. Everybody I live with eats it. It's good stuff. Let's do it. Let's go to the pot. This is the Train Podcast by Calvin and Wade. And uh, this is our first pod and we're super excited about it. Um, so if you listen to this podcast, at the end, comment below, maybe some things you liked, maybe some things you didn't like, uh, maybe some segments we could add on, a guess we could get. Uh, just let us know. We wanna make this podcast great and uh, we'll appreciate any feedback because uh, we wanna make this an enjoyable experience for y'all listening. With no further ado, our first guest this week, let's see, close friend of mine, former coach of mine, helped get things started at Mission Viejo, coached at the University of Texas, went on to the USC Trojans, now he's back at Mission, and then amongst that, he, you know, he coached at eight Olympics. The dude's got a resume. So with no further ado, Mark Schubert. Mark Schubert. How's it going? Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right, perfect. So, uh, yeah, how you doing today? Pretty good, Calvin. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Yeah, we actually had a, a little inner squad meet down at uh, in Huntington Beach, down at Golden West. Oh, so, good. How'd they do? Yeah, you know they swam actually pretty well. It was fun seeing them compete uh, after it's been, geez, I don't know, so long since they've seen competition and seen racing. So some of them actually swam really well. Um, a lot of them probably just because they grew up a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, uh, it's really fun watching these guys. That's great. Yeah, how yeah, you most, most of us are excited to have a swimming meet, that's for sure. Yeah, and you guys are just coming back from not only open water, was that nationals? What was that? Uh, was called the West Coast Open at uh, Henderson, Nevada. And then last weekend we swam in Phoenix. Uh, four weeks ago we swam in uh, in Arizona again in Kingman, Arizona at three thousand feet. So we've just been going out of state to get our racing in. Yeah, yeah. And I I want to come back eventually and talk about uh, swimming with Haley Anderson. I guess you're not swimming with Haley Anderson, but working with Haley Anderson, especially through this time and getting prepared for Tokyo. But before that, I kind of want to talk about COVID and how you guys have handled it, um, which it seems like you guys are doing an amazing job and how you guys have prepared, not only, um, I guess, for the situation now, but the future situation and what you guys are doing and how you've done it so well. Well, you know, we, we set up a, a protocol uh, that we presented to the city of Mission Viejo, uh, which included social distancing when you walk in and wearing a mask. And we had two separate lines and where you enter the pool and where you exit the pool. And uh, initially we only had one per lane. Um, then we graduated to two per lane. Um, and then uh, we presented that to the mayor, uh, Brian Goodell, and he presented it to the city manager and they approved it. And we were probably one of the first clubs, at least in California, to be back in the pool. Yeah, I think uh, you probably were the first club, at least legally, to get back in the pool. And that was pretty cool to see, especially seeing the connections that you have with some of your previous swimmers. Brian Goodell, you were saying, the mayor of Mission Viejo. And someone who's probably really pushing for swimming especially in that city where I know it's such a big deal um, in Southern California. And it's been really cool 
just seeing you guys evolve as a program and seeing how things have changed. And, uh, but yeah, on this call today, I wanted to kind of take the listeners. I know you're so much more than just a swim coach. You're a businessman, entrepreneur, out of uh, grandpa, father, so many different things. So I want the listeners kind of an inside scoop on Mark that they probably didn't know or they might not know because they only see that one side on the pool deck, which trust me, I've seen, but I've seen your other side too. And it's actually really cool. Uh, but just kind of take us through your experience kind of coming out of Kentucky uh, I know you're a Kentucky man, uh, down in college out there. Take us through that experience kind of right out of college and your goals and ambitions getting into the swim world, starting coaching. Did you have all this shaped out? I mean, you were so successful. Uh, Olympic, I mean, I'm going to say it in the intro. Uh, I haven't made the intro yet. Um, but you've done so many successful things in the swim world what was your vision coming out of Kentucky and kind of take us through this whole journey? Well, actually, uh, my junior year in high school, we had to write, you know, what we wanted to do, uh, as an occupation. And I always admired my high school swimming coach. And, uh, I wrote that I wanted to be a high school swimming coach and, uh, kind of following his footsteps. And then, uh, at Kentucky, uh, I got injured my sophomore year. So rather than compete, they allowed me to be a student assistant coach the last two years, which was a great experience to be able to kind of start off as a college coach. Um, and then uh, I went back to my hometown, which is Akron, Ohio, and, and coached at Cuyahoga Falls High School for one year. Um, tried to get that community to be excited about swimming and put a bubble over a 50 meter pool and start a big club program. Right. And the right. recreation director said, you know, you're probably going to be a good swim coach someday, but it'll never be in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Right. So that's when I moved to California and took the job in Mission Viejo. Wow. And, you know, I had to say that, um, you know, growing up when I was swimming, uh, Santa Clara, uh, coached by George Haynes at the time was the the club uh in the world and uh always was able to put the most swimmers on the American Olympic team and and that was kind of my goal and uh we actually changed the colors of the team to blue and gold which is Santa Clara's colors what colors was it before it was brown and gold oh so brown and gold yikes yeah not yeah (laughs) I'm I'm glad we changed it to blue and gold Good yeah, call. I didn't have I didn't have to work real hard to talk people into that. <laughs> I doubt it. And then um, we we actually named the street above the pool uh, Santa Clara, so everybody kind of had that goal in mind. Uh, initially, when I took the job, everybody kind of thought I was crazy, um, and uh, we we won this uh, Orange County Swim Conference Championship the first year I was there. First summer I was there. And, they wanted to push me in the pool. And I said, no, you can push me in the pool when we win the nationals. Well, they thought that was pretty crazy. And then yeah. two years, two years later we did, and they did push me in the pool. And that was, that was a pretty good feeling. And actually I was standing in the locker room with George Haynes. We were both um, soaking wet. He won the men and the combined and we won the women. And uh, that was just kind of like a dream come true. And then it just kind of went from there. Wow. And how old were you when that happened? Um, that was 74, so I was 25. <laughs> I was going to make a joke. It was just a few years ago, but you mentioned the year, so I can't say that. Okay, so, wow. Um, and I think you said something cool talking about um, just being from Ohio, starting that program. I think you got to pull a LeBron move. I think you got to go back to Ohio and win them a championship, and then you can go back to Michigan. Pull, pull the LeBron well, and go back to Cleveland? Yeah, I uh, was born in Cleveland and uh, grew up in Akron, about four miles from where LeBron grew up. Yeah. So uh, obviously I'm a pretty big LeBron fan and was thrilled to death when, uh, not that he left Cleveland, that was kind of heartbroken, yeah. heart, heartbreaking in a way, but then he moved to LA and it was, uh, that's pretty awesome. And uh, I'm a huge Lakers fan. Yeah, it seems like Mark always gets what he wants. Um, 
No, work works for what he wants. It works for it. Yeah, I like that. You always have a good way of putting different slogans, different words, different phrases together that always make us look bad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They make us better. They really do. And I think that's something that you've done a really good job at. And just thinking about uh, something that really makes you a special coach, um, something that sets you apart from other coaches that I've had. Not saying every coach I've had doesn't have his special qualities, but just thinking about something you do really special is you make, I feel like every athlete can be the best. Every athlete can, can make it to the Olympics. And you really, I honestly feel like you really do believe that if you're willing to put in the work. And obviously there's going to be some cases where it's uh, physical deficits, you know, things where it's just like you person's five, four, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be hard to make the Olympics, but when they show up to practice, you have the mentality that you're going to give them everything you've got. And if they have a dream, you're going to do everything you can for that person to achieve that dream. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I think that really sets you aside. And I just honestly want to compliment you uh, on having that special quality. Thanks, Calvin. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it, especially coming to you. You know, you, you were a unique challenge and while wow, you are a hard worker and uh, achieved a lot in the sport and uh, have a lot of respect for you. Hey, wow. I, I appreciate that. Um, and I was talking to Wade, shout out Wade. He's uh, back there actually producing it right now, but we were talking yesterday and he made a really good point of saying, even when we had these, you know, we were in high school, say, take us back to 2014 um, swimming with uh, Janet Evans, or maybe that was way back. Was that 2012? When was that? Was that 2010? When, what Olympics was she? What trials was she preparing for? 2012. 2012. So also shout out Janet Evans. That's a big name. Um, she just showed up on deck one day. And I feel like it was a big deal that she was there. But you made your presence such a high status that when someone of that caliber showed up, our goal as swimmers was just to race them and compete. You know, we weren't intimidated. Same thing, I think, when Jessica Hardy showed up to come train with you back in 2015, uh, 2016. Was that 2015? Getting all my dates mixed up. Yeah, right? No, you're right. Yeah. Um, when she showed up, I think, uh, especially that little group that we had down when you were at Golden West, our goal was to compete with her and train with her. And it wasn't, we didn't see her as, Jessica Hardy, the Olympian, and obviously we did have that respect for her, but it was just another another training partner and another competitor. And I think that's something that you did really well bringing out of your athletes. Well, I think, uh, you know, I've always been very fortunate to, to have some world-class athletes. And the thing that's great about that with the group is it just raises their standard. You know, athletes like that are so professional and it does make everybody better. It makes everybody work harder. It, it kind of opens their eyes as to what it takes. And, uh, you know, if you have a special group, they aspire to be like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know we kind of jumped off track. I made the, the whole going back to Cleveland joke. Take us back, back to mission. Now you're there. What's the future looking like? Well. Um, it was interesting the the uh, first year that I was there, we qualified uh, four swimmers for the nationals, the short course nationals in the spring. And we had one girl finish second and uh, her name was Peggy Tosdell. And that, that kind of kicked off the program. I think that proved to everybody that, you know, we could be a world-class program. And then interestingly enough, I had nine, swimmers from Cuyahoga Falls that were on my former high school team come out that summer to train with us and seven seven of them made the nationals and three of them finaled at the nationals and one of those swimmers was Terry Stoddard who's become a well-known coach in Southern California and Pasadena um, but that that was really fun to see those swimmers come out you know, kind of spread their comfort zone and uh, try to be the best they could be and, and be so successful that summer. And then, uh, you know, a year later, we had uh, a successful uh, nationals in 73 and Peggy made the world championship team. And then 
a year year after that, Shirley Babishoff had joined the team, and Brian Goodell was coming into his own. And uh, we actually won the nationals with four summers. We uh, won two of the three relays and got second in the third and uh, everybody final. And uh, a lot of those summers won and uh, just kind of had the perfect meet. One of those Uh, relays had to be the eight free relay. Well, of course. (laughs) Eight free and, and four medley, maybe. There's Um, some sprinting in there. If you, the, I don't know what the other one was. Actually, no. Back then? Uh, no, this it's not that long ago, Calvin. <laughs> uh, it's long ago, but uh, no, Shirley was a great sprinter, so we usually won both freestyle relays. And uh, you know, we brought a breaststroker along who, you know, gave it her all and did a great job, but uh, had to compete against the best breaststrokers in the country. So we kind of lost a little bit on that leg, but. Uh, it was fun. You know, we, we did a good job and Brian got fifth at that nationals as a, uh, I think he was a 14 year old and uh, kind of started to establish himself as a Olympic contender in two years. Yeah. Wow. Shout out Brian Goodell. Cause he, I know he's done a lot for, for mission Viejo in that program. Well, he actually uh, was one of the original Natadors in, in 68 as an eight year old. So, uh, you know, the Nanadors mean a lot to him and, uh, you know, he, he's doing his best to, uh, help establish the program as I am so that when we leave, that it continues to be the greatest program in the United States. Wow. So after taking those nationals down with mission, winning your first national championship and, and I'm sure a few more to follow, did you have plans to leave? And was USC the first school that you left club, that whole club swimming world to go see the NC2A collegiate world or how'd that work? Well, um, I kind of had fun when I was at Mission Viejo and I would always go take the time to go to both the men's and the women's NC2As because I had so many club swimmers that were a part of it. And then I was convincing them to go to the short course nationals for the team. So I had had to do a little salesmanship too, but you know, I think that's kind of what uh, got me interested in college swimming. Um, And, you know, the intensity of that meet was something that I, I kind of wanted to be a part of, but uh, when I left Mission Viejo, we actually went to Boca Raton, Florida and developed a big aquatic center there, Ron O'Brien, who, probably the greatest diving coach in the history of the sport. He was Greg Luganis's coach. Uh, and we, we developed a swimming and diving center there. Wait, yeah, uh, I, I saw that online. I think that goes completely unnoticed that you started something huge in Florida. Yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, and, uh, actually the team that we always battled for the national title with was Mission Viejo and Terry Stoddard was the coach at Mission Viejo. Of course, so, you know, kind of what goes around comes around. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. And uh, then after the uh, Seoul Olympics, then I uh, decided to become a college coach and had the opportunity to become the women's coach at the University of Texas and, uh, you know, coach some great summers there. I think one year we put seven, seven girls because I was only coaching the women's team on the world championship team. And that, that was pretty meaningful. Seven, Uh, seven women. Yeah. Wow. It's a pretty stacked team right there. Yeah. Well, it was very interesting because, uh, back in the eighties, there was really only three teams and that was Florida, Stanford and Texas. Those were the only three teams that won the NC2As every year. And, uh, two of the, four years I was there, we won. And the other two, we got second. So it was a pretty intense rivalry with Stanford in Florida. And uh, it made swimming very interesting. So that's where your hatred for Stanford started? Yes. <laughs> we can edit that out. Or should we keep it? Should we let the fans no, know? You can and you know, it wasn't a hatred because uh, Richard Quick, who was the coach there, was actually a very good friend of mine. We were intense competitors but we had the opportunity of serving on the olympic team together and uh and i really had a lot of respect for him as as i 
did and do for the Stanford program. You know, it's just a matter of being competitive and wanting, wanting to be number one. Excuse me. And, and uh, we always say that Stanford doesn't recruit, they select. Um, but that's, right. just, that's just part of getting around. You know that. Yeah, I think that's just part of the sport. As I've started to just get in, uh, dabble my toe around in the coaching world, it changes your perspective on almost everything that you thought you knew. Um, and it's just kind of funny to see that. So you actually started at Texas before USC. Yes, uh, I was at Texas for four years. And then after the Barcelona Olympics, uh, had the opportunity to jump to USC and, and replace a legend who was uh, Peter Dalen. And, uh, you know, that was uh, 14 years of great swimming and uh, opportunity of, of coaching some great athletes and Olympic medalists. And we were able to win the, the women's uh, NC2A championship uh, in 97. And that was, was a big thrill as well. Wow. So in college total, how many national championships did you win? Three, two at Texas and one at USC. Wow. Wait, two at Texas, one at USC. And then after USC, you went back to, is that, is shortly after USC when you went back to, when did you go back to Huntington Beach? I know in 2014. Well, actually, actually I was a national team head coach for four years after uh, USC so I kind of left coaching yet was in charge of all the coaches in the country right? and, and led the Olympic program. And then, uh, then I, I had the opportunity of, uh, coaching at golden West. You know, there was a coach there named Bob Gillett. When I left USA swimming, he offered me the opportunity to take over his job because he was retiring. And that was one of the most generous and fortuitous, things that has ever happened to me because uh really kind of fired me up as far as being a club coach again yeah and and uh we had some pretty good teams back there yeah it was pretty cool i think back then i know i said 2014 i think it was uh 2010 2012 it was 2010 yeah 2010 and we had just left fullerton aquatics not really knowing, I think someone said Mark Schubert's the coach. And at that point, I, you know, 13, 14 years old, I didn't even know Mark Schubert, who he was or what I had in store. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but it was definitely one of the coolest experiences. Uh, best times. Built a really solid program, I think, from what we were coming from or what Golden West was coming from and their mentality. And I think things just really shifted. And that was really cool to see under your leadership. Um, I want to say you were the eight-time Olympic, six-time Olympic head coach, and then worked in 2008 as well in Beijing. Yeah, as the coach, I I was on the deck as head coach uh, eight times. Wow! Uh, a a little-known fact: in '76, uh, we had uh, six swimmers on the Olympic team, which was more than anybody else, but I wasn't selected as a head coach because of my age. And right. uh, so I went to the Olympics as the head coach of uh, Paraguay because we had a swimmer from Paraguay on our team at Mission Viejo and he asked me to go. So I, I was on the pool deck and I did get to get a lot of experience um, before I was actually uh, selected as an Olympic coach. But I, I was 27 at the time. So it was probably a wise decision not to select me as a coach because I was pretty young for that kind of auspicious duty. Right. Well, it turns out you still got eight, so that's okay. And yeah, it was, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I think if any coach right now, I think if you were to tell them you're going to be the eight-time Olympic head coach, was it weird? Did you ever think you were going to be the Olympic head coach eight times? You know, I, I have to say that um, being, a, and I wasn't the head coach eight times. I was the head coach four times and assistant coach four times. But, you know, yeah, it, it was really never one of my top goals. You know, my, my, top, my top goal when I was a young coach was to win the national championship. And then after that, it was to develop uh, Olympic gold medalists and work with athletes to try to have them become the best in the world. And, 
you know, when, when you're fortunate enough to have swimmers like Brian Goodell and Shirley Babishoff and Jesse Visayo, um, you know, being an Olympic coach will be a result of that, but it's, it's really a result of their performances. And that's kind of what gives you a name. Uh, you know, I, I like to give the credit to the swimmers because as you well know, Calvin, they have to put the work in. And uh, when they say take, take your marks, the coach doesn't have much control. It's all about them. Right. Probably one of the most frustrating things about swimming as a coach, right? Well, you know, you always swim every race with every athlete. So when they do well, there's nothing better. It's, right. it's like we say about a, a mile, you know, a good mile is the best because it lasts 15 minutes. And a bad mile is the worst because it lasts a lot longer than that. Yeah. And it's, it's like uh, torture. But, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, at, at the end of a swimming meet, I think a good coach <sighs> is, is exhausted because you've swum so many races in your mind with your athletes. Right. That's, uh, I mean, that's a really good point that you, you bring up uh, just being there for your athletes. I think one of the, and I'm just very, again, touching my toe in the water of, of swimming and coaching. One of the biggest things that I've learned immediately that's hard watching athletes now is when I was a swimmer and an athlete competing, when I had a bad race or something to that, to that say, I want to just dread on that race. But as a coach, it's so frustrating to watch an athlete sit there and just think about that race when when you know the only solution and only cure is just, hey, forget about it. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, and, and we say that's the, um, the philosophy of the next, the next time. And I think you have to get your athlete, if possible, to immediately do a mental switch to the next time. And even if you've done something really well, you know, I like to see them celebrate for 10 minutes and then start thinking about the next time they're going to swim that race and what did they learn? And, you know, what's their new goal? You have to get them to reset their goal as soon as possible. Right. And that's a perfect segment into my next question, which is going to ask, you worked with so many insanely good athletes in top caliber. We're talking uh, let's see. I actually have a list right here. We're going to get all fancy with it. I'm going to read these stats off. You've worked with names. Let's see if I remember my password. Perfect. Nate, let's, let's go. Brian Goodell. I'm just going to name the ones that I think people will know. Michael Bryan, Janet Evans, Cynthia Woodhead, Lenny Kraselberg, Jarrett Maycott, Jessica Hardy, Eric Vent, Larson Jensen, Us Maluli, Dara Torres, Caitlin Sandino. And then I want to say, as a coach, just names like Phelps, Ryan, Lock, pretty much everybody. There probably really hasn't been a swimmer in there that you haven't worked with. What separates these athletes from a really successful, maybe good college athlete, maybe a successful club swimmer at this level? And, and now you're working with, um, I want to say, uh, I shouldn't know it, Haley Anderson. Sorry. Shouldn't have forgotten that. Haley Anderson, what separates these guys from the rest? Well, you know, we like to hammer in the point that when you stand on the blocks at the Olympics, every, everybody's well-prepared. Everybody's in the best shape possible. And it's really, I think, the mind that makes the difference. Uh, Self-confidence. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I try to convince swimmers that the way you develop self-confidence is every day in practice uh, you know we try to encourage them to do mental rehearsal and, and things of that nature but really you develop confidence through your performances in practice and as I'm sure you know Calvin you know most coaches could make a list of the three people that are going to do best at the big meet based purely on their performances in practice you know, you, you have to get better every year. If, if you swim the same times and you work just as hard, you're going to get the same result. 
you got to work harder every year. You got to swim faster every year. You got to be more competitive every year and more confident every year. Uh, and, and that's, you know, truly how I think an athlete progresses. And of course, practice is part of it and competition is part of it too. You know, I think the, uh, the main things for success are number one, the mind, number two, the training, and number three, the ability to compete. A lot of people can do the first two. Right, not yeah. Everybody, not everybody can do the last one. Yeah, I think the third one's for sure. And in swimming, it gets so hard sometimes when you're behind the blocks and you don't have that confidence, which is why it's so important in practice when you're saying, hey, knock down those turns tight streamlines, even the simple things. When you go into a race, you don't want to have to think about that. So these great ones, it seems like when you're watching their races, everything is so precise into the detail. And I think there's a lot of that missing in swimming. And I think now as I'm coaching a little bit again, um, I'm starting to see a huge, just it's driving me crazy when you see someone push off the wall and they're not in streamline doing their three dolphin kicks as you understand that, hey, this is what it's going to lead to. And to get there, you got to separate yourself from the rest and be disciplined to build that self-confidence. Well, like you said, it it's what you do in practice that's going to happen in the swimming meet because you're not going to be thinking about those things. You kind of go into automatic mode and you race the same way you train. And, you know, you had mentioned Jessica Hardy earlier and, uh, you know, you observed her training. Right. She did everything perfectly she she really you know it's it's not practice makes perfect it's perfect practice makes perfect right and she she was able to do that you know the consummate pro from not just when practice started but the her whole life at least while she was swimming she'd come in every day no matter what she's there 20 30 minutes before practice has her rolling mat out stretching doing everything so it's definitely pretty cool. And sorry, I'm looking back at some of your stats. It's cool to see some of those, those people that are at that level. Like those are, those are the role models that we want to look at. And those are the people they're doing everything that we want to do correctly. And it's good to see that. I'm just getting lost in my words right now. Um, but this is perfect because it's a podcast, so we can just edit it out. But like you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we can just edit it and, and just slide this new clip in. Uh, that's so funny. But yeah, it's perfect to I see. Hope you're, hope you're working hard back there, Wade. <laughs> yeah, Wade's got a lot of work work behind uh, his hands right now, that computer. So we'll see what he could do. Uh, we'll make it sound good. Maybe we'll make my voice sound like way cooler, way clearer. Uh, we'll uh, do some Photoshop. We'll buff ourselves up a little bit. It'll be perfect. Um, yeah, but like you were saying, Jessica Hardy does everything perfect. So if you're trying to look at that role model of how do I get to this next level, those athletes are the perfect example. And you've worked with so many of them who are so detailed, so disciplined. Currently, you have Haley Anderson right now. And mistake me if I'm wrong, but she's your athlete who's currently qualified for, for Tokyo 20, 2021. Right. She, she got second at the World Championships and uh, as a member of the U.S. team, uh, placing in the top 10 at the world championships. She qualified for the Olympics and uh, it's going to be one of the top hopes, I think in the 10,000 meters. And, you know, that's a race that really requires a lot of physical and mental toughness and uh, you know, her and Osma Luli, who's also training with us and is a two-time Olympic champion. He's, he's shooting for his sixth Olympics at 36 and having those two on the team, you know, they're, they're just amazing. You know, like you said, they show up early, they do extra things. Um, they know what it takes and having them around and having the younger athletes kind of aspire to be like them, I think uh, makes the team a lot better. Do you think it revamps or refreshes those swimmers? Like a swimmer, like you said, Osmaluli, 36 years old. Do you think showing up to practice with, a bunch of kids who are 16, 17, 18. And let me tell you, really talented 16 and 17 and 18 year olds. But do you think when they show up on deck, it brings them joy, brings them back to their high school days and it makes training fun again? 
Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we, we have uh, uh, David Heron, who's one of the top distance swimmers in the country and placed second the last two years, the Nationals and the 10K. Yeah. Uh, and he's graduate of Tennessee, so he's a little bit older. So it's nice having some older swimmers. Yeah. But uh, they have fun with the younger swimmers, too. They really do. Yeah, I bet. I remember swimming with some of those older, some of those pro athletes that you brought down um, back in the day. And that was just, I mean, that was so fun. You think you're one of them. Because, um, I mean, you really are at the time. It's 2020. Haley's getting ready for the Olympics. Did you guys have any idea that this was all going to go down? This whole pandemic, coronavirus? Were you guys... Did you guys have any insight? Think, take us through that. Well, uh, obviously nobody really knew the impact. Um, and then when we were shut down for six weeks in March, you know, that was a tough thing. Most of the swimmers in my group hadn't taken that long of a break since they were five or six years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was kind of different on how we were going to handle that and going through the whole protocol to get back in. Uh, we got back in on May 1st. And, uh, you know, I think the thing that's amazed me more than anything through the ped pandemic is without the goals of specific swim meets, because we really don't know when the next swim meet is. You know, if we're lucky, right. we can plan it two or three weeks out. But yeah. without those specific goals, these swimmers have trained so hard. Yeah. So obviously they've been able to mentally um, tell themselves that it's not going to last forever and wow. they're going to make every minute count so that when it's over with, they're ready. And that, that's been amazing to me because I would have thought that it would have been a lot harder to get, uh, boys and girls to train as hard as these guys are training. I mean, Calvin, you, you know what these guys go through uh, in uh, our program. Yeah. Uh, cause, Cause you've lived it. And uh, yeah, so shout out those mission swimmers. Yikes. That's, you guys are living through it right now. Trust me. It only gets better. If you guys are listening, it only gets better. I promise. And it's all worth it. It is all worth it. Let me tell you that. Got a boy, Calvin. I paid you to say that. <laughs> There we go. Our, our proud sponsor, Mark Schubert. <laughs> no, but, it, but it's true, you know, uh, work works, you know, that's everybody's favorite saying in USA swimming. Yeah. And, um, it just amazes me. And, you know, we, we went around the other morning before we got in the pool and asked every swimmer what their GPA was. And there was not one swimmer in my group whose GPA was below 4.0, not one. So wow. not only is it talented, but it's the smartest group that I've ever coached. And it's a little bit intimidating <laughs> to know me, me as a, as a C average PE major is surrounded, <laughs> surrounded by all these kids that are going to go to Harvard and Stanford and Columbia and places like that. But it, it really does make you proud. That's all right. You can make it as a C, C average major. You proved it. C, C's get degrees. Well, it's it's all about. Uh, so anyways, though. It's all about your motivation. You know, <laughs> once you choose your career and how hard you're willing to work. You know, nobody really asks you what your GPA was in college five years later. You know, they want to no. know what you've accomplished right now. No, yeah. I don't think I've applied for any job out of college. And they've asked for my GPA. They just want to get to know me. Not saying that every job is like that because I'm not applying. I'm not a doctor, nothing like that. Um, but you're definitely right that uh, it's it's all about how hard you work. And you just gotta you just gotta get that degree. But boy, is it important. Yeah, it is important, and it's really cool. Again, you have a really smart group. I think that speaks to your. I think it's a compliment to you as well because I think you attract a certain type of crowd. And I think it speaks levels when you see all the type of successful, like, I mean, really successful, hardworking, different athletes, there's a certain mentality and a certain crowd that they attract. Kobe Bryant is all his, all about his work and mentality. And I think it's the same thing with you. Uh, when an athlete shows up and he's going to be your swimmer, he knows that you got to excel at not only in the water, 
but your expectation is then to excel as a person more than anything. So I think that's really cool. Back to Haley, 2021, do you guys have any insight? Have you guys been, do you have any inside uh, scoops, details? Is 2021, I almost want to say it's a for sure go. Have there's a talk about fans? Have you guys been? Well, you know, she, she had a lot of success at that uh, Western Open Water Championship, uh, winning the 10K. And, you know, she had to win the 10K against Ashley Twitchell, who also is on the U.S. team and finished behind her at the world championship. Um, so that was, uh, it was a tough race. I mean, it was a world-class race and now she's competing in the ISL. Uh, and she in Budapest, right? Is it in Budapest? She's in, right? she's in Budapest. She's okay, in the yeah. bubble in Budapest. Actually, I talked to her today and, uh, she's continuing to do our training so that she's not losing anything, wow. but you know, every couple of weeks she gets an opportunity to race and uh, I think she was four minutes in the 400, which, you know, in hard training is pretty good, pretty good swim. Yeah. And, uh, it's not a 359, she, but we'll take four minutes, right? Yeah, I told her that today. <laughs> Li- literally, I told her that. Yeah, today. perfect. And uh, never change. But, you know, the thing is, she's there with all these world class athletes from around the world. And how motivating is that? You know, a lot of people kind of said, well, would you really want, a 10k swimmer to go and swim in a league where the furthest they swim in for is 400 i said absolutely yeah. you know the the thrill of being selected and yeah. the thrill of having that opportunity to rub shoulders with those people every day yeah. and to race against them is just the best so it's it's been uh, really good for her especially you know considering the fact that we've really had no swimming meets for her except for that um that 10k since february yeah no that's really cool the isl is something it is i think completely going to change the sport of swimming in high school for the most part you had to come to an understanding that college was probably going to be the peak you got four years to compete and then after that who knows let's see where you go in college but you got those four years and then that's kind of going to be the top of your career I think if we knew that there was going to be a professional league starting up and done real legit, I think it would change a lot of swimmers that, especially in my age perspective on swimming. I think that was one of the harder things to, sorry, continue. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's, it's been very motivational and I agree with you. I think it's going to change the way a lot of people perceive the sport. And, uh, you know, we've had pros, but we've never really had a pro league. Uh, and yeah. the only, the only thing I've been able to observe is I went to the finals last year in Las Vegas and it was fabulous. I mean, not only the level of swimming, but they put on a show. I mean, it's, it's not just a swim meet, it's a show and, uh, it makes the sport real exciting. Yeah, it, it really does. And again, speaking to, I think it would have changed a lot of swimmers perspectives, Cause I think me as a young kid, I think that was the biggest downfall of swimming. And the hardest thing was knowing that, Hey, you know, in four years, I might have to make a living doing something that's not being an athlete, which is something I had done my whole life and been trained to do so well. So I think the ISL is really cool. I definitely think watching it, I think it was broadcasted on ESPN last year. They definitely have some things that they can make better. And once they start to touch those up, I think, audience will start to be because I think it was a little bit confusing going into some of those skins heats and and if you weren't a swimmer you'd be a little bit confused on what was going on but I think once they touch some of those things up I think the ISL is set up to be really successful seems like they got a lot of money put into it and I'm excited to see where it goes yeah no I, I think it's going to be the future I agree with you the Let's see what else did I want to cover. Sorry, Wade, get to work here, buddy. Uh, we want to cover ISL. I think we pretty much have everything I want. Um, we're going to ask you. We're going to play a game. I don't know what we want to call it. I figured every podcast we're going to try to come up with a segment. Oh, 
just kidding. We're going to come back here. We're going to just edit this all out. I don't know what time this is. I'm going to wave my hand so Wade knows when to clip it. I know we were just talking ISL. Super cool. Going to be a really cool thing. Real quick, I know you have some really cool stories from the Olympics. Big year. Lakers just won the championship. You're a Lakers fan. Kind of crazy year 2020, especially with uh, Kobe and the loss of his life and his daughter and, and everyone else involved in the accident. I know you have a pretty cool story about Kobe from the 2008 Olympics with Michael Phelps. Do you, you want to share that with, with us? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, we, we were actually, we were at a training camp and uh, we went across the street from the hotel to eat dinner. And as we crossed the street, this black Mercedes pulls up with uh, windows all tinted and, and uh, it's Kobe. And he rolls down the window and he knows Michael Phelps real well because they've been to a number of Olympics together. And he goes, hey, Mr. Olympics, can't you even say hi? Uh, just, you know, giving Michael yeah. a hard time. But, but it was it was pretty fun and pretty funny and obviously a thrill for everybody that's standing around there. Yeah. Because uh, he lives in Newport and we were training camp in, uh, in Irvine. So uh, it, it was great to see him but i think the other real thrill Did Phelps for us, know it was kobe at first no because these windows were real dark but kobe was kind of acting like well you should have seen me yeah um, but uh oh so it, Phelps, it was Phelps never turned around and was like oh that's kobe bryant he was just in his own he was in the zone yeah he had his headphones on oh my gosh yeah yeah okay that, that i remember you telling us that story and i was like as a young kid having your coach talk about experience with Phelps and Kobe was two of the coolest things in 2008. And then, oh, and then another, sorry. yeah, another cool story was in 2008. Um, one of the earlier final sessions, the whole USA basketball team came down and sat in the bleachers with us. Um, wow. That's and, so sick. I'm and, jealous. you know, cheered, cheered with this. And I remember LeBron being there and, there was one girl that got up on the blocks and nobody was cheering. And he goes, Hey, she's up on the blocks. Let's cheer. And and I always thought, on. I always thought that was pretty cool. But the thing was the, the pool director came up to me before the meet started. Yeah. And he, he said to me, Hey, these people can't be here. You have to tell them to move. And I said, no, you tell them. And he just walked <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah he was gonna walk up to lebron kobe all those right guys, the dream exactly. team right there exactly that's so, hilarious yeah did you talk to fun. did you talk to lebron after and, and were you the initial recruit to la you said, hey <laughs> you got to come out to la one of these days i, I wish i could take credit i, I did get uh, lebron and kobe's autograph from my mom she was a big lebron lebron fan obviously being from cleveland so Wow, that's uh, so cool. I wish we could have yeah. you on for like six hours and you could just talk all your stories with LeBron and Kobe and all your boys. So yep, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to get you on uh, again. Mark, Anytime. Uh, we're going to finish this up. We're not done yet. We're going to play a game. It's going to be called. Do you, are you familiar Rogers. with Yeah, on it. Should we the Calvin Rogers game? We should I think, call it the Calvin Rogers game. I don't know if it's. I feel like it's not that cool of a game yet. It's just going to be one minute questions where I'm going to have the listeners sending questions for next week's guest. So shout out to next week's guest, Herbie Bem at ASU, the sprint coach. Wow. He's going to be on and uh, kind of talking things ASU, things uh, he's learned from Bob, uh, his experience there. To finish it up, let's do the one-minute questions. Okay. Maybe, maybe you call it the one-minute corner. Do you know who Bill Simmons is? Uh, okay, if you know him, I, if you know him, I should. Yeah, I'm sure if you saw him or knew that he's a famous like sports does a podcast, The Ringer. Shout out The Ringer. Um, he does these segments at the end of his his podcast, and they're called Parent Corner, where maybe a parent tells a funny story about his kid that week but I want to do one minute corner where we just ask you whatever questions we want for a minute. So we're going to start the clock. We get one minute and I wrote out some questions that I want to ask you and hopefully the fans, listeners, I don't want to say fans. We don't have fans yet. The listeners enjoy them. Okay. Let me start the timer. 
All right. We're going to call this the one minute to win it. No, that's not. That's too lame. We'll call one minute corner. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. The game. A lot of pressure. Start. All right. If you weren't coaching, what would you be doing? Being an attorney. Guilty pleasure. Pleasure. Food-wise. Spaghetti. Ooh. Something you can't live without. Diet Coke. I knew you were going to say that. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Well, I would have the ability to wave my hand and make anybody a world-class athlete. I think you have that ability, kind of. It's uh, You're still working on mastering it for everybody. All right, what are you watching on Netflix right now? What's What's your Netflix show? This is a good one, huh? This is a good one. Um, I'm watching the show that my wife watches, and I can't even think of his name, but it's about the sheriff in Wyoming. Oh, uh, I know this. My dad loves this show. You guys should just meet up and talk about this show. It's called... uh... I'm blanking on the show. Yeah, me too. uh, Someone knows the name. It's called. It's, it's the best. Right it's, it's riveting. It really is riveting. We're gonna go over a minute. It's gonna be like the three minute, three minute corner. <laughs> Show about Wyoming cowboy. Longmire. Sure. Longmire. Oh, Longmire! I know. Longmire. And, Great show. And you know, you know what amazes me is every episode is riveting. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's like. It goes from one to the other, but every episode is different and every episode is riveting. And yeah. I, I, I have a real problem because I stay up so late at night watching this stupid show. Uh, what time do you normally go to bed at? Uh, That's our next question. I'm in, usually I'm in bed by 830 because I have to get up at four. Okay, so that's a good way of saying you go to bed at like twelve thirty. So you spend like was that four four Longmire episodes right there? <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. Well, that's that's why swimming coaches need a nap. Oh yeah, that well, that's why we swimming coaches usually have the middle of the days off. Not all swim coach, not the middle of the days off. Never taking off. I know you're gonna say something wise. You're never taking off, but naps are good. Okay. Uh, next question: LeBron or Jordan? LeBron. Let's go. I knew you were going to say that. I'm with you right there. If you're not at the pool, where would someone find you? In my Porsche. There we go. I knew you were going to say that. I was going to ask you something about cars, but you have a Porsche. Mark drives fast cars. And if you ever see someone driving by you and he is zooming by, playing some ACDC or something like that, <laughs> just know you've witnessed yep. Mark Schubert. That's it. Thank you for uh, coming on to the show today. We appreciate I don't think we could set the bar any higher for our first guest. That's awesome. Well, it, it's really been fun. And uh, I just need to give credit where credit is due. And that's Wade Nelson behind the scenes doing all the work. <laughs> Shout out Wade in the back. He's going to make an awesome clip edit. I don't even know if we're going to edit this part out. but uh, No, you shouldn't. No, but no. Cal- Calvin, you're, you're amazing. I think you have a little... Uh, career here keep it up wow thank you i really appreciate that uh we'll talk to you uh soon i'm gonna stop by mission one of these days all right all right don't don't say it do it all right sounds good take care mark all right bye-bye